Hello and welcome everyone. I'm Vuk Jukic and this is Anablock Podcast. This show is exploration of enterprise software, technology, ideas, business, science and strategy. This podcast is for anyone that likes to learn new things about business and technology. This podcast is brought to you by Anablock. Anablock is a system integrator and Salesforce partner. Anablock's technical team helps organizations to implement, customize, and optimize their Salesforce applications. Ruby and Max, thanks for uh, coming to the show. Uh, Ruby and Max are uh, founding members of CloudX. Uh, can you tell us what is CloudX? Yeah, okay, sure. Sure. Um, so CloudX stands for Cloud Experts. It's kind of a play on words with SpaceX, um, which is space exploration technology. So we try to kind of mimic that um, because we kind of see ourselves as a new age consulting partner who isn't just here to you know help you out with a few software projects here and there. Rather, we're here to be your long-term partner, um, helping you build a roadmap for your platform projects and your software projects. So we kind of wanted to you know pull a little bit from Elon Musk and also <laughs> create something that was new and exciting in the space. Yeah, I think the name came from uh, a little bit of a play on words in Cloud Expert, also the design for X. So when customers are thinking about a digital transformation, they have very unique requirements. So um, one of the things that Cloud X specializes in is, you know, designing for X uh, set of business requirements and companies. So we're able to take any uh, unique scenario and unique uh, use case and, and really implement um, uh, a unique solution for that company. And last thing Great. about the X, sorry, <laughs> one last thing about the X is that we have a little backwards swoosh pattern on it because one huge component of our business is giving back. And so what we tend to do is with every software project, we not only help with building you a really cool cloud application, but we also give a portion of that technology project back to charitable causes in need or charitable causes that our clients care about. So we kind of have like that backwards swish to indicate that not only do we care about the cloud, but we also care about giving back to the ground. Wow, that's very cool. Awesome. Uh, so how long have, uh, how long ago have you started or have you started a company itself, CloudX? Yeah, so, you know, CloudX was actually kind of started a little bit out of, um, out of a serendipity moment um, when we both kind of came into the Salesforce field, one of my first jobs was at DoorDash. And, um, you know, I, I, I spent some time there working on their Salesforce application, growing it from 50 users to 10,000. And um, somewhere along that journey of doing that migration, I saw the really large need for Salesforce consulting partners who offered really great technical value. And so I kind of branched off and did my own thing, which was CloudX at the time, and um, consulted for DoorDash for a little bit until they wanted me to come back full time. So it kind of started out of, you know, our first jobs in the Salesforce sector. And um, for some time, we just did it part-time. Um, CloudX was kind of like a part-time project for us. And 
then when the pandemic hit and every business realized that they needed a digital strategy, it became really um, critical for us to, at least one of us, to move to CloudX full-time. And so really, I would say full-time operation of CloudX has been about a year and a half ago, um, right at the start of 2020. Okay. And uh how long have you been at DoorDash? Yeah, so um, both Max and I left our our backgrounds are not in Salesforce. You know, nobody really goes to school no, to study Salesforce. Not at all. <laughs> Although they're teaching more of it now in schools, but yeah, yeah, and there's a lot more like online learning that people are trying to sway towards. So neither of us have that as a background. In fact, our background is um, we're both engineers. Uh, I'm a mechanical engineer by uh, education, um, focusing in um, it's a lot of uh, service equipment, um, electronics, signal processing, uh, that kind of field. Um, I was working in Houston uh, for a, a services company called Slumberger. And um, yeah, the, this was during a time, this was back in 2015 and 16, and there's a major downturn in the Houston area, mostly caused by the crash in oil prices. And that is one of the major industries in Houston. Um, so there was a, a big uh, layoff of a lot of engineers um, uh, throughout the Houston area. And so there's quite a, a lack of opportunity there. Um, so we decided to take it upon ourselves to, you know, uh, expand our horizons and learn some other uh, skill sets and, and um, uh, take a deep dive into computer science, uh, systems, uh, business applications, and Salesforce. Yeah, and my background is uh, I, I studied biomedical engineering in grad school um, and in undergrad, and so that's kind of my my background by trade, but and my first job out of um, my PhD program was at uh, NASA um, in Houston, so that's kind of how Max and I met, um, was oh, in wow. Texas. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. so uh, Houston is known for oil and gas and it's known for yep. space, right? So um, we were both kind of in those large fields and large industries. And what you end up finding out that while NASA was a dream job and, you know, I, I did some really cool stuff. I worked on um, uh, this, on redesigning the spacesuit for the ISS and designing a brand new spacesuit for the Mars Exploration Program. Um, oh, wow. That's very cool. <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah, it was, it was really neat. Um, the overall process though in government is just so slow. So at, in our, you know, twenties, we really wanted something faster paced and there was this hot new field Salesforce that we had just heard about. And so we decided to kind of take a look and teach ourselves and go through a lot of training online and, um, decided to just take a chance and a leap of faith and applied to a few companies in the Bay area, um, my first job in this sector was at DoorDash and Max was at Mojo Networks. And we, you know, the first three months are really tough. <laughs> I can imagine. Um, so just yeah, to well, uh, disclose to our audience is that not only that you work together and uh, you are both founders of Codex, at the same time, you're actually married. And uh, when you said you met, you actually met uh, I guess more on a romantic level before you got into business together. Yes. <laughs> that is definitely something that a good point to call out. Yes. We are partners in got life it. and business. <laughs> Very interesting. So actually like I, uh, I 
spent some little bit of time in Texas, but uh, not as much in Houston. But I do know that I kind of found out about a year ago that actually NASA was testing Salesforce's community cloud for one of their initiatives. Um, I'm not sure um, at the end of the day if, if, if they decided to to uh, go with it or not, but um, that's kind of interesting. That uh, brings us yeah. like um, back to NASA and Salesforce working to that, together. Yeah, uh, you so, know, back in the ahead. 80s, NASA, oh, sorry, back in the 80s, NASA was was you know what people cared about and watched and was so in tune with, and then it, and then I think the public kind of lost interest after you know our first. Um, moon landing. So NASA's trying to get back into that public eye and trying to do things on Twitter and Instagram and social platforms like, you know, Salesforce community. So yeah, they're definitely trying to get into that area. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting that you're talking about um, the space shuttle program and, and Elon Musk. I just yesterday finished a book about early days of SpaceX and they definitely touched some of those, um, talking points about the massive interest into space shuttle program and where a lot of these scientists today that that are working in this and for spacex actually how they got indoctrinated um so yeah yeah, very cool so uh let me i guess uh ask you this so how long ago so you were you both were in houston um are you born and raised in houston or did you just sort of end up there no, uh, neither of us were born and raised in Houston. Uh, I, I bet, I venture that uh, majority of people aren't born and raised in Houston. It's actually quite a, a transplant city. A lot of people come, as we mentioned earlier, for the predominant oil and gas industry, for space uh, industry. They also have one of the biggest medical centers in the world. So there's a lot of uh, nurses, doctors, medical professionals uh, in that area as well. Um, but I was born and raised in Sleepy Hollow, New York, um, and went to school in Maryland and then, uh, got my first job in Houston. And, and I was born in India, actually <laughs> migrated here to the U S for opportunity as most first generation immigrants do with their parents. Um, and so really my stomping grounds are the Bay area. My, I, I kind of did, you know, up to seventh grade here in the Bay area, then went to Ohio for high school because immigrant parents move around a lot. <laughs> and then, um, undergrad back in California, grad school in Boston, and then first job in Houston. I see. And, uh, how old were you when you moved to the U S I was four and a half. Oh, wow. And which part of India? Uh, North India, right outside of Delhi. Um, there is a, uh, state called Haryana and, um, that's where I was born. Interesting. Yeah. And Max, where, where is Sleepy Hollow, New York? So it's uh, right along the Hudson River, about an hour north of New York City. And it's like a cozy little town. Yeah, along the Hudson River. <clears throat> Interesting. So basically, you both end up uh, in Houston. And that is that where you were first introduced to Salesforce? Or you mentioned, was that at DoorDash? Yeah, no, so we, um, you know, for the first couple of years in Houston, we were working in our, you know, subsequent industries. And um, then when oil and gas crashed, um, you know, they, I think it was one of the largest crashes in 2016. Mm-hmm. 
think there were like 150,000 engineers that were laid off at that time. Wow. Yeah. And so, I mean, Max survived quite a few rounds of layoffs and then, you know, eventually when there's just like no money left in the company, then they're going to end up laying off most of the engineers. So he went through that. Um, and it was definitely a tough time. You know, it's, it's, it's tough because not only do you, you know, are you laid off, but you're also trying to search for a job in an industry that has 150,000 other people laid off who are also applying for roles. So the opportunity size reduces significantly because now you're one of hundreds of thousands of people who are applying for the same jobs in, you know, different companies. So it was very hard for not only Max to find a job, but also at the same time, I was looking to make a career switch because, um, there were a lot of uh, a lot of pieces of NASA that were a little bit tough for me. Um, you know, I I came from a PhD program where I controlled my own destiny, and then at NASA there was a lot of red tape and a lot of bureaucracy, and um, so it was very hard to kind of counteract that and still feel like I was being innovative and inventive. So I was also looking to make a switch, but again, you know, we're both engineers by trade. So applying with hundreds of thousands of other people who are laid off was, we, I mean, we both got like 70 rejections combined between us. Yeah. I mean, it's a pure numbers oh, wow. game at that point, you know, <laughs> yeah. trying to apply for the same job, competing with that numbers for companies who are already looking to downsize and not hire, you know, in the foreseeable future was, was a tough challenge for sure. It was a humbling moment. You know, we just got rejection after rejection <laughs> after rejection. <laughs> Or not even a rejection. Or not even, yeah. Sometimes we didn't get anything, <laughs> which actually was wow. the majority of cases for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it, it really sucked. It was, a, it was a very tough time. And then you are, so when you were applying and got these rejections, that was specifically in the field, which were, which was the field Mechanical. that you were in prior to, to uh, transitioning to Salesforce. Right. Um, right. And so I'm, I'm curious then how did the intro or how where and how were you introduced to Salesforce? Yeah, good question. So it happened to be that my parents um, were still in the Bay Area and, um, you know, my mom had actually made a very similar change. So she was a teacher by um, trade. She's always been in education for, you know, however long I've I've been born <laughs> and been alive. She actually used to be a high school teacher at the same high school that I was at. And, you know, she, she taught um, biology and chemistry and was, everybody loved her and she, she was such a great teacher, but there was a lot of, you know, even in the, being a teacher, there's a lot of headache that you go through as well, right? Um, it could be resource constraints. It could be, especially for science, there's a lot of resource constraints. So you can't really do all the labs that you want to do. Um, having a, a new cycle of students is tough too. And, you know, just the overall pay scale is tough. So she, tr she actually learned about Salesforce when she was in the Bay area and looking to make a career switch. And she was the first first one in our family who really made that career switch and went from being a teacher to being a um, uh, to being in the in the tech world and on the software side of the tech world so she made that switch and she saw you know where what we were doing and what we were struggling with and recommended that we look into this field and so and we how long ago how long ago did she make the switch from education to um, Salesforce um, good question. I think she made the switch back in 20, 
14. It was like two years before we, we made the switch in 2016. So I think it was around um, the 20. That's very interesting. So that's a, it's kind of like a, a family. Uh, I, I first time, it's very cool that I'm hearing that, you know, multiple family members are in that this profession. I'm, I'm wondering, was she an admin or a developer or what was her role or is she still working in the Salesforce ecosystem? She is still working in the Salesforce ecosystem. And, you know, usually when you start off, you're either going to start off as like a BA or an admin and then grow into more of an architect role. So that's kind of what she is at. She, right now she's an architect. Oh, wow. Yeah. I would love to, for my mom to do the same. She's in a completely different <laughs> world, but uh, no, that's awesome. Your mom should uh, chat. You, yeah. <laughs> you can definitely talk shop every time you see her. Uh, so yeah, so, so then your mom introduced, uh, the two of you to, to Salesforce and, and then how did your journey go from there? Yeah. So she introduced us and then we spent quite a few weeks contemplating it. Yeah. I mean, I think the first start of it was getting an introduction, um, going through it and understanding what was Salesforce. A lot of people don't realize what it is. And, and, um, you know, everyone's kind of starting to hear the term Salesforce and, and they're starting to learn more and more. Um, so just understanding what, you know, what a customer relationship management tool is, uh, which was Salesforce is, and that's their core function. Um, in addition to other clouds like service cloud and marketing cloud, um, understanding that and, um, taking some, online courses and trainings. We, we dived into the, um, the trailblazer uh, tracks and, and trailblazer trailheads, um, which is Salesforce's um, learning platform and, and training uh, that they have available online. Um, and we took some of those um, and it allowed us to, to one, learn about it, but it also gave practical um, use cases and demos and, and, and setups that we could do um, to apply the knowledge to a real uh, business use case. So we did some of uh, learning and um, practical application building uh, on our own. And then we took that knowledge and, and um, the self-study uh, to you know, the, the job market and looking for contract work, small jobs here and there to do basic kind of admin um, business analyst type work where we take, you know, a small company or a nonprofit um, that was looking to, you know, either just start with Salesforce or to customize in some way or to do some data management or data migration. Um, and we built up um, a few different contracts and, and small projects to build our experience. And then we use that to uh, leapfrog to apply to a more uh, full-time position, um, Ruby with DoorDash and me with um, Mojo Networks, which is a Wi-Fi, a business enterprise level Wi-Fi company. Okay, got it. Um, and what was your role, Max, with Mojo Networks? Um, were you more in the development architecture side? Yeah, I was, um, I was more on the admin, uh, business analyst and architecture side. Um, so I did pretty much everything relating to managing this uh, Salesforce instance for Mojo, 
uh, up into to development um, in which, um, you know, in, in cases where we needed custom engineering and development uh, at that time, since I was fairly new to the space, uh, I worked with uh, third party um, system integrators and, and partners of Salesforce uh, to help with that uh, development piece. Um, so I would take a lot of the business requirements from uh, the Wi-Fi business, whether it was engineering, sales, um, operations, and, you know, kind of document those and design uh, a solution and see what things I could do in-house with myself uh, from a configuration admin side and um, what things, you know, were missing, what gaps there were and what things we needed to outsource to a, a party. Got it. And uh, today, um, just kind of looking at your website, you are, you're putting some um, focus from what I see at least, and maybe you can just dig deeper into that, but on, on AI and, and sort of like chatbots, Salesforce, Steinstein in general, is that yeah. true? Or was that the specialties that you are focusing on? Yeah, so 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 both of us have have had kind of interesting trajectories in in the Salesforce space. I think one of the first things that we learned about Salesforce that was really unique and different about engineering is that with engineering, you're kind of focused on delivering a good or a hardware component, um, and you know you're focused on like one piece of the business. But with Salesforce, you end up focusing on every single thing that a business does, whether it's sales, support, operations, account management, marketing. And so when we came into the Salesforce world, it was kind of a little bit of a shock at like how many stakeholders we interfaced with on a daily basis. And we learned the ins and outs of every of, of the businesses that we were a part of. So I was at DoorDash, Max was at Mojo. We were basically you know, the, and Salesforce being such a new field had no team, right? So there is no Salesforce team. When you go to apply to a company, those are now being built, but back when we were applying and getting our first jobs in the space, there was no Salesforce team. We were the Salesforce team. So you end up wearing the hat of a BA, of an architect, of an admin, of a developer, of, you know, a QA tester, <laughs> like you end up wearing every single hat, which, I think, you know, as people who really like to own a project through and through, we really enjoyed that. Um, and so at DoorDash, what, what happened was I had, um, when I had gotten my first job there, uh, I was just, uh, you know, the Salesforce manager essentially and um, wore multiple hats just like Max did. And um, over time, because we were growing so rapidly and it was a true unicorn company in the Silicon Valley, I, I needed to hire more people and I needed to ensure that more people were on this team that, you know, manage and maintain Salesforce because a lot of companies end up sometimes, you know, getting one or two Salesforce administrators or one or two Salesforce developers. And the platform sometimes gets forgotten because to have a live environment that is dynamically growing with your company, you need to invest resources into ensuring that your Salesforce platform is in lockstep with your business processes. If your business process changes, your platform should change. And people forget that. People think sometimes that Salesforce is a set and forget platform and it's not. So to, in order to ensure that Salesforce evolved and grew with DoorDash to accommodate for all of its new framework and new business processes that were developed, 
I really needed to build a brand new team. So I built a business applications team at DoorDash and brought on a lot of business units onto Salesforce and got rid of their, I think they had like 50 plus standalone applications, condense it down to, you know, 14 with Salesforce being the backbone, um, built a team there. And then, uh, Salesforce obviously does Dreamforce presentations and they love to invite customers to present their solutions. So um, I was invited to a few Dreamforce presentations and then ended up getting a job at Salesforce as a product manager working on the Einstein bot product. Learned the ins and outs of Einstein bots and um, you know developed the Einstein bot platform for a year and a half. And then realized that companies who have the Salesforce platform um, just don't feel ready for AI. So that's kind of why I made the exit to leave Salesforce, do CloudX full-time and put a focus on how we can get your CRM ready for AI. And that's why on our website, we kind of want to highlight that because um, CRM is a, such a rich source of data, but if you don't design it properly, if you don't implement it properly, and if you don't ensure that your users adopt it so that they can actually enter data into the platform, then your AI won't work. So that's kind of our, our focus is like, how do we get your CRM in a state where AI can really be, can really turn the key and start to turn a lot of your manual tasks into automatic tasks? Very interesting. Um, so can you tell us what is, you know, a little bit about the history behind Salesforce and AI. And uh, my understanding is, um, you know, working with Salesforce for a while now that they did a number of acquisitions that kind of built this whole brand uh, that today they have like Einstein, uh, Salesforce, yeah. Einstein, et cetera. So maybe you can just um, give us a little bit of history, how it all started. Yeah, so Salesforce acquired probably like eight AI companies, um, eight to 10, I think. They were all- Oh, wow, kind of I thought, I remember two, but I, I had no idea it was eight, but that's great. Yeah, go ahead, yeah. sorry. No, 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 that's fine. Yeah, no, they, they've been acquiring a, a quite a few. So um, there is an AI company who helped to build the opportunity scoring model on the sales cloud. Then there's another AI tool that does that runs case classification. There's another AI tool that runs the Einstein bot NLP engine. There's another one that runs, you know, next best action. So all of these AI tools are running different components in the platform. It's not one shared AI platform because AI, you know, you have large text analysis and then you have small text analysis. So for chat and chat bots, it's usually a string. Um, versus for a email, um, which is what case classification runs on, that is, uh, you know, multiple paragraphs of text that have multiple intents embedded in it. So all of those AIs are running independently of each other. Um, and Salesforce has tried to integrate them into the platform to kind of make that AI run as a single source of truth. Um, but there are quite a few products out there and we primarily focus on service Einstein. So anything to do with case classification, next best action, Einstein chatbots, um, that's kind of our bread and butter. Uh, so your primary focus is then oriented around, uh, AI, uh, specifically like Salesforce, um, AI, or I, I should say like Salesforce, uh, products that, uh, have AI built in. Uh, do you, you know, working in general, both of you have worked with Salesforce, you know, both probably started with the sales cloud. Uh, 
Do you see any benefit in specializing in a specific field? Uh, obviously, Salesforce now became this massive application uh, with all these acquisitions over the years. Uh, so, you know, spanning from Tableau CRM, as they are calling it now, to, you know, just the general like uh, sales cloud. Is there any benefit maybe just to be focused on a single field or what is your take? I think um, I think Salesforce in its entire product offering um, is a lot, right? Each individual cloud can do so much. Um, each cloud, whether it's sales cloud, service cloud, on the marketing side, commerce cloud, um, they have, there's so much you can do. Um, and there's, there's really a lot of configuration that can enable a lot of the changes what Ruby was talking about um, that you can do without needing to have a uh, computer science or developer uh, background. Um, and you can, you can do a lot of the customization to get your business application to the current state where it needs to be to propel your company. Um, and there's even more, as we know, with what you can do with custom code, application uh, configuration development. Um, so there's, there's really so much you can do. So for, from that perspective, I think it is valuable to, you know, really drive down into, you know, each one of these clouds and really to understand it. That being said, I think it does add value to, to understand how each, um, you know, cloud interacts with one another and to understand it, you really have to take a step back and understand the business too. And I think that's what one thing that Salesforce allowed us to do was really to learn more about the businesses that we worked from because there were so many stakeholders that were connected to it. Um, so really understanding how, you know, product development impacts and your engineering or your manufacturing, how it impacts sales and supply chain and how you market that and then how you support it going, um, you know, throughout its life cycle with issues and um, all these all these components uh, from an end to end, depending on what business it is, they all kind of have different segments and they all kind of tie back together uh, to Salesforce in many ways. And I think a lot of companies, especially the ones that are focusing on the digital transformation, you know, I would say majority, even higher than that of their business functions are one way going to have a business application like Salesforce involved in some way or shape. Um, yeah. And yeah. And, and, and to kind of go off of that, you know, when we, when we were last year in 2020, when we went full-time with CloudX, um, what we realized is we started, we've started initially in a specialized mode. So our specialty at that point in time was Einstein bots and it was, Zendesk rip and replace agreements in where people who were on a single object platform like Zendesk realized that they needed a multi-object platform like Salesforce. And so they needed a partner who had done that. And I had done that at DoorDash. I migrated DoorDash from Zendesk to Salesforce. So I said, okay, let's just start small and let's do bots and let's do Zen rip and replaces. What happened throughout the course of the year is um, we ended up getting involved across the board and across all clouds at Salesforce. So MuleSoft guys reached out to us, Commerce Cloud reached out to us, Field Service Lightning reached out to us because we were a new player in the space with this background 
of, you know, doing this at DoorDash and this background of being a Salesforce product manager. So that really went a long way towards us getting involved across the board. And not just that, but even our customers that we had garnered in the first half of last year, they loved working with us. And so what they asked us to do is take over their marketing cloud implementation because the prior partner didn't set it up right. So they wanted us to do it, or they wanted us to be part of their um, set it, redoing their service cloud implementation because their pre previous partner didn't set it up correctly. So we got roped in and now we support projects. We support service cloud. We support Einstein bots. We support service cloud voice. We support commerce cloud, field service, lightning, marketing cloud. I mean, you name MuleSoft, you name it. And we, we will help you implement it and devise a roadmap so that all of these Salesforce products are working together, not against each other or not independently of each other. That's what matters the most is that the strategy for technology should be a unified combined strategy, not one that's separate and independent. Um, so yeah, I mean, you can start off specialized, but it ends up Salesforce, you know, like Max said, it's, it's kind of like this, like this, you know, own universe, right? Once you buy into one product, then you need to also sign up for a marketing cloud and also sign up for commerce cloud because it all works better together than, than it does apart. Yeah. And that's, that's why actually, I'm glad you mentioned that I was uh, going to ask you in your opinion, and I, might might even have an answer now, but this whole strategy that Salesforce has, I'm, I'm guessing that they, you know, have a lot of smart people and they spend a lot of money to research it, but, you know, them, and I've been tracking them since like 2004, so they are a completely different uh, animal today versus back then, specifically talking about all the acquisitions. So, for example, just recently, obviously, they acquired Slack. Um, and I was always wondering, also working with enterprise clients is, you know, do these companies actually have value by having this kind of uniform approach that you just mentioned to where, you know, suddenly we are building like a commerce uh, software so you can, you know, have your e-commerce running through us, but then at the same time internally, you can communicate through Slack and also have a CRM tool to manage your, your, your contacts and, and leads, et cetera. So um, what, what are your thoughts? Is this a great, good strategy that they have in place to sort of capture different aspects of the enterprise ecosystem and put it under sort of one roof? Yeah, I, I would say so, especially looking at Salesforce's stock. Uh, <laughs> you know, if you purchased it, uh, back in 2004, and now you have it, you probably have a, a good uh, savings there and a good penny in the, the bank. But um, yeah, I think, you know, as we move into more of a digital age, there's more nuances to every part of the business, every part of the support or engineering lifecycle. And so those needs become, um, you know, serious and they need to be addressed. So you either take out a, a process or, or a custom application or new uh, product and you have to integrate two things or you can you can have everything under one house and you can have a more complete solution. Um, you know, there's so many different use cases uh, for business and cloud applications. You know, you can't cover everything, right? But I think they've done a good job of targeting the main ones um, where it makes a lot of sense and, you know, going after... Uh, companies that are doing it well, right? You either 
invest in a product uh, team and engineers that can build your, you know, your product and your solutions in house, or you find the best competitor or the best um, person or company out there that does it and does it better than you probably could do it. Right. So those are two ways that they're doing it. And I think they've done a lot of uh, they've done a lot of product development in house, but there's just so many different applications, whether um, you know, you're looking at different industry or business types or different uh, segments of, of a complete business. There's so many different variations and nuances that they have to address. Um, so I think with the combination of their product team and their acquisitions, they're really trying to get a complete package where you can have everything under the sun, so to speak, um, under their, their house. Yeah. And, and, and actually that, that kind of brings up a, a really good point. Um, you know, if, if I were to think about how to bin applications, there would kind of be two, two large bins right now, right? One is that you have best in breed, which is these really cool, neat, specialized applications that do one or two features really, really well, right? So that's like a Slack, which does real-time communication in a company really, really well. But then there's this all-in-one Swiss army knife type of platform or type of application, which is like a Salesforce where they do a lot, but you know, out of everything that they do, they maybe specialize and do a few things really well, but globally they do everything fairly well, right? Um, and so Salesforce, I think has realized that if you take just the Slack acquisition, right? Salesforce has a Slack competitor, it's called Chatter, but they know it sucks. <laughs> yeah. It's not the best tool, right? I agree. So, <laughs> yeah. So, so what Salesforce did, which is actually very smart and brilliant is they were like, okay, we know that we're an all-in-one Swiss army knife and that we really suck at communication. We really suck at this real-time communication and we could spend time building a Slack that's integrated, or we could acquire a best in breed. So now Salesforce is kind of redefining what it means to be that Swiss army knife all-in-one platform. And rather it's building this own category which is a more of a hybrid application, one that it has a lot of functionality and feature set, but also does a few things deeply well. And I think that's what's going to make them win in the space and hopefully not turn them into a Siebel. Yeah, that, that's a great point. Um, and uh, kind of going to some of the previous um, um, comments that you, that you made about transitioning into other fields within the whole Salesforce ecosystem, like for example, MuleSoft and Marketing Cloud. Um, I, I'm wondering, so a lot of us that have been in this ecosystem at one point or another are due to a project requirement or just the way things move fast in enterprise software are asked or you know to, to help with something like Marketing Cloud, which is obviously you know completely different application stack. I mean, from a branding perspective, it looks, you know, like Salesforce, but in reality, it's not. It's, it's, it's like a SQL Server versus like Oracle and Java, et cetera. Uh, what is your approach as, as a team, um, like as a company, I should say, maybe, are you really, you know, just jumping in and, and learning and then, you know, doing your best or are you looking to hire a, you know, resource that has a, that expertise? <laughs> Good question. I mean, when we first started in the space, 
it was really hard. The first six months were hard. I think the first <laughs> first six months was jumping in to the pool and and uh, really learning how to swim and tread water ourselves. We were, <laughs> yeah, we were very emotional the first six months and like pinging each other during, you know, the, the work day, asking each other, like, I don't, he, my business stakeholder asked me to log in as a user. I don't know how to log in as a user. Where do I go? You know, the simplest things. But now we are, we're very understanding of the object structures and, you know, how the platform works and how the, the theoretical um, data should flow back and forth. So I think we can speak to a lot of clouds very intelligently, but when it comes to actually doing the work, um, it is sometimes better to have someone who's specialized in that cloud platform. So we do try to then hire specialized individuals while still at a high level interfacing with the client and you know telling them that architecturally, this is how that new cloud would integrate and work. So we kind of do a little bit of both, but I mean, yeah, initially it was very hard us to wrap our minds around software <laughs> yeah absolutely i think at first it was like crossing a river we kind of jumped in and try to swim across and then we're like okay maybe we should build something like build a little boat and it took a while to do that and then it was like maybe we should just rent a boat and get it from other people who are good at making boats and maybe we should you know allow people who are good at, at certain specializations do what's best and we can and deliver on our part so it takes, I think it takes a little bit of both um, to really appreciate where you go. Um, like we were saying earlier, you know, Salesforce is such a broad uh, set of applications that you need to have people who are specialized, whether it's mm -hmm. CPQ or field service lightning, uh, commerce cloud, they are, as you pointed out, unique uh, platforms and they operate in, in different ways, um, even though they're under the same house of Salesforce. So it is important that you have expertise um, in each one of those clouds. Yeah, yeah, and, 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 and kind of to go off of your marketing cloud example, Luke, um, you know, overall with service cloud or sales cloud, we know how the object structure should be. And we know that, oh, there is this object called campaigns and there is contacts and there are accounts and marketing cloud uses all those objects. But then marketing cloud also has features like IP warming. You know, if you're running email campaigns and spamming, not spamming, but like sending emails to thousands or hundreds of thousands of users, you need to warm your IP in order for you to be to able to handle that load and that campaign load, right? So there are these, these really specialized concepts that if you don't know about them, then you, you know, won't feel like you're successfully executing a project. So for those specialized concepts within each cloud, it is really important to hire someone who is knowledgeable about it because you just can't teach yourself everything. It's this Salesforce universe is so expansive. I agree. What is your favorite Salesforce product or where do you lo love spending your time when working with Salesforce applications? Ooh, so favorite Salesforce product. That's a good question. That's a very good product. I love customer support and I love customer service. So I'm all about service cloud and digital and um, their digital engagement skews, such as setting up chat, setting up telephony, setting up SMS. So I love anything that's customer support related. I, uh, my background uh, is more in the sales cloud uh, sphere. So <clears throat> I definitely have partial favoritism towards uh, something like a CPQ. Um, designing the logic that 
really generates the revenue and builds out quotes, which ultimately is the core for uh, Salesforce. But I have to say, um, after you know learning more about Einstein and chatbots, I would say that's one of my uh, second favorite uh, yeah. products. <laughs> and maybe I am a little biased too that uh, my wife <laughs> was the product manager for that product for a while. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because we're both in Salesforce, but I sometimes have zero clue what he's talking about. Like I, I'm not a CPQ gal, so I don't even know half the things that he says. And then when I'm talking about support, you know, it's, it's, it's just, they, they, they're underneath the same umbrella, but we both like have these unique, deep specialties. And so sometimes it's, it's, it's learning, you know, every day. <laughs> what about uh, the app exchange? Are there any cool apps that you would like to share uh, as far as like managed packages or kind of third-party applications in general that are available uh, through the app exchange? Good question. There's so many. I mean, there's so many. That's true. <laughs> and there's so, and so many good, good ones that are free. There's a good paid ones. Um, yeah, that's a hard question to answer. Yeah. Well, I mean, I can tell you a few of my favorites and then um, also just a few kind of CloudX related updates, but okay. Um, I think Solvi is a really good one, which is uh, it integrates with your community and help center and will um, kind of with with clicks, uh, well, with no code whatsoever, um, you don't have to develop it or anything. It'll crawl your help center, learn about your article keywords, and then you can basically type in a question to the little Solvi chatbot and it will try to find the right article for you. And it does it, it's kind of plug and play. So I think that's a really good one. Um, do you have any that you like on the sales side? I've actually liked working with um, Conga Composer. Oh yeah, uh, the document generator, but they do a lot, uh, a lot of different things. Um, you know, and they're they they provide DocuSign a good competition, and they're pretty pretty affordable for a lot of users. Um, so I've had a good experience with them. You can do a lot of custom work. Uh, we've built some some custom buttons and tools with building out quotes and, and document generators um, with Conga Composer. I've, I've had a good experience with them. And then our mutual friend, Vuk, um, we it's Nikita, who is a who is the founder and CEO of Golden Ratio Systems, just released his app exchange product called Ferris. Um, P A A R O S dot A I. If you have not checked it out, whoever is listening, oh, yeah. please do, because it is one of the most powerful um, bug logging and error code um, decoding tool I have seen out there. And not only does it integrate with your platform, but it also integrates with your Jira so that if there is an error message that you receive, all those spammy error emails that you usually get because a process builder is not firing correctly or a flows misfiring, you no longer have to worry about that because with Ferris AI, it basically integrates with your platform and your Salesforce platform. It integrates with your Jira and it will automatically log a Jira bug ticket to the correct team so that you don't have to have your inbox filled with all these error alerts and emails. It also does some really cool complex um, logic behind the scenes to see like what your Apex usage is and if you have any test class failures. So it's a really powerful tool. And I think every Salesforce platform should have it. 
I totally agree. So Nikita was a guest on this podcast. And to all of you listening, uh, you can find Pharaoh's episode uh, in in the list of the, the uh, episodes that we have. And actually, I have been, um, I have implemented, or well, with his help, uh, for one of our customers his app and they absolutely love it so i would definitely strongly recommend it to everyone and i think to us also consultants that app is fantastic even if for whatever reason customer doesn't want to pay for it i i do (laughs) because it makes my job much easier uh so so i i i concur with both of you uh and then on the product side mm -hmm. we are also releasing this year, we're going to be releasing three um, new apps on the on the App Exchange. Um, all oh, wow. of them do, I didn't know. Yeah, that. all of them do slightly cool and unique different things. One of them is like a you know how you open up Google Docs and you can see everyone yep. who is viewing or editing the Google Doc. We're mm-hmm. building that, or we have actually built it and released it in a few of our beta um, clients. Um, we've built that. And so now what you can do is you can open up a Salesforce record and see who is also viewing or editing the record on the record page and on the list view page as well. Oh, wow. That's awesome. That sounds very yeah, and cool. Then, and then we built a redaction tool, which is super critical for people who manage a lot of PII that they're sending back and forth via email. And we've mm-hmm. also built this really, really cool flow builder um, because what we've realized is lightning flow building a lightning screen flow requires an admin and a lot of our clients especially ones who are in the equipment space who need to tell their technicians to follow a series of steps all of the content builders don't know how to use and build a screen lightning flow because that requires admin knowledge so we have built a layer on top of screen lightning flows to allow you to build a flow without any admin permission sets and and with such simplicity that a content builder can build it on their own. And this entire tool was developed by our CloudX architect, Katie Solorio, who is a fantastic, fantastic developer and admin and architect and all-in-one. So we're really excited to release that later this year too. That's awesome. So that's coming... uh... So this, this will be three separate products or this will be sort of like a suite of product um, that you're re- releasing? Good question. Yeah, I think at the moment it's going to be three separate products, but we do okay. want to... We do want to start bucketing a few products into uh, Zendesk Parity because a lot of the products that we have even in the pipeline are features that Zendesk offers because again, you know, specialized platforms do a lot of things really well because they're specialized in it. So there are a few things that Zendesk does really well that we've realized we should have some sort of parity feature for in Salesforce. So um, we're building some parity functionality there um, and we'll release that as like a bundled product. Got it. Excellent. Well, I, I, this is very exciting. I, I did not know that you're also releasing your own product. So that's coming later this year. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I, I do want to mention one thing that I actually found on your website. It's really cool. I really like it. It's, uh, so I was just preparing for, uh, for this uh, session and I was going through your website and then I came across UCalc. I guess that's how you pronounce it. Yeah. Yep. So I kind of Googled it and I went and checked that app out. And that's really, really cool stuff. Uh, it's very interesting. Um, I, 
uh, yeah. the audience can maybe go to your website and and dig through it and you, they'll come across that stuff so they'll know what I'm talking about but how did you find this application yeah so this is a good question I you know I'm not very formulaic or mathematical Max really is and so I came to him with a problem which was just like hey all of my prospects and leads are asking me for ROI and like, you know, if they, if they were to partner with us and we release or help them implement Salesforce, what ROI they can expect. And then I also need some way to, you know, estimate the project size. So can you help me build a calculator so that I don't have to repeat myself all the time. And so he, <laughs> yeah, I can let you talk to you about it. <laughs> yeah. So I was looking at just building out a, a self self-help kind of calculator. Cause one of the things that people often look at for system integrators and, and partners is they want to know what's it going to cost, right? How much will this cost to implement? You know, can I do this for a certain budget? What will be the return on investment or the ROI for this? So it's something that they can can use and, and plug in some numbers of you know how many agents or how many sales users they have, um, you know what's the the typical metrics of their SLAs and, and their business processes and put that in there and they can get out a very um, a, a list price uh, version of what things would cost and it kind of gives you a little bit of an estimate of of what these applications and licenses will cost you, um, but it's it's a it's a helpful tool. It's a, it's a data point, right? There's always discounts and, and um, things that Salesforce can offer, but I think it's useful to know because, you know, one of the things when you're like, you're implementing AI or a new product, right? You're, you're wanting to understand if I spend this money, if I spend X amount, right? How much can I save or how much improvement to the process or how much improvement to the customer experience can I provide? Um, so it's important uh data point to, to understand and we want to ultimately make the process easier so yeah so max built two really cool calculators one which is that we can estimate your the complexity of your um salesforce uh service cloud implementation and the other one which if you are looking to implement chatbots um, which is an ai how much the chatbot can potentially save you um, in terms of yearly savings or monthly savings um, if you were to implement an AI that could deflect support tickets. So they're really cool. You should check them out if you go to uh, www.cloudx.design. Yeah, check it out. (laughs) Definitely. Um, So I want to ask now that I have learned a little bit more about your company. So you started basically providing services as as a consulting company and system integrator. And then at some point you have transitioned into product development. Um, Are you, what is your vision? Are are you looking to continue doing both as a company? Good question. I can start with that. Yeah. So at first, what we wanted to do was with services, right? That was kind of the, the bread and butter and the core uh, of the value add that we could provide. And as a small, uh, lean team, you can have the, the biggest ROI for the company and profitability, you know, offering your hours uh, for this. But ultimately, what we want to do is leverage the services and, and uh, understand from our clients is like, what are the biggest pain points, right? And a lot of things we can address with um, configuration or development custom code 
to address uh, the business needs, right? Um, but certain things are, are hard to get to, right? There's some gaps in, in the product. Um, there's some gaps a little bit in, in what you can configure and develop um, and integrate with, right? So we want to use that information and that feedback we get from our customers to really drive home a product that will address their needs that are, are we see missing uh, with Salesforce. So ultimately in the long term, we want to have you know the services and we want to provide continue providing great support to our customers and uh, continue with that and grow that business. But we also want to address some of these gaps in the product um, and to build out a more of a, a SaaS model for the company mm-hmm. where we can deliver our solutions and uh, extend our footprint without necessarily needing to hire on uh, additional staff mm-hmm. to address uh, the, the into individual, you know, deployments and migrations and things like that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, 2020, all of 2020 was hundred percent services. And then we got this really, really awesome client, clever, who they basically um, help you if you're a big school district and you want to have your students um, uh, get, you know, login access to education apps or educational applications like BrainPop, iReady, et cetera, then you use Clever as kind of a middleware Okta SSO so that your, um, you know, uh, educational apps can basically provision access to hundreds of thousands of students all at once. So they're a really cool, neat little app and um, really cool company. And they really kind of pushed us a little bit. You know, they we did a we did a software migration project for them. And as part of the software migration project, they asked us like, you know, hey, this has always been a pain point for us. We don't know if there's a feature in Zendesk. We don't know if there's a feature in Salesforce. So can you build it for us? And that was kind of our first foray into a client-sponsored product um, development tool. And what we realized in that process is how fun it is to have a really closed ecosystem. Right now, our ecosystem is that we have a client come in and into our CloudX partnership, and then we, you know, sign a statement of work. They, uh, we deliver on that statement of work, and along the way of delivery, they ask us to develop something that is currently a gap. And so then we get our developers involved and, you know, a a lot of times I design the entire end-to-end product journey. And then we, you know, use a um, product designer as well, who will build all the screens. And then we build something really agile and lightweight. We get some feedback from the client. So we deploy it in their org, we get feedback, we make it better. And we put a beta flag on, you know, the component that we develop inside of their um, Salesforce environment. So it says beta by CloudX, which is really cool and neat. And then we um, get their feedback. We iterated upon it once more, and then we submit it for security review so that it can be published on the Salesforce app store. And in that closed loop process, we not only, um, you know, are servicing, but we're also developing products. So I'm hoping that by the end of this year, our revenue is going from, you know, 100% services to maybe 80% services and 20% products. And then the product revenue arm just increases year over year. Are you uh, uh, bootstrapped? Have you onboarded any investors? 
We are entirely bootstrapped, which was very hard for me, but I think, you know, Max self bootstrapped, self bootstrapped. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All of, we have not taken <laughs> a single penny from friends or family. We have used all of our statements of works that we've garnered to power our revenue and hiring and every, and our product development, everything. So we're entirely bootstrapped and it was a really hard choice to make because I think in Silicon Valley, especially people equate your success to how much in investment you have had. And while we have had investors tell us that they want to invest in us and have given us offers, we've turned those down, which have been very hard for me to do because, you know, that's Mm -hmm. the Silicon Valley mindset. But I think Max has kind of has a really unique thought process behind it. Yeah. I mean, I, I know you've wanted, uh, to take on some of that funding, but I had to, to provide the counterpoint being that, you know, when, when companies take on uh, VC funding or, or investment funding, right. This is basically a debt or a loan in some sort of way, right. Whether it's pay back cash or stock or, you know, in future um, uh, convertible notes, unless you fail, which we don't want to do. <laughs> right. And in, in which case you don't have a company and you don't really need to owe them anything back. Right. But um that's not what we want, right? And that's not what we are gonna provide for our customers. So what we wanted to do is basically take on a, a service, right? Which we could make very profitable from the beginning. And it would allow us to build um, funding, self-funding for ourselves to you know, support a product development research uh, side of things um, that was starting off small and, and can grow as we grew the services part of the business. And so from, from a business perspective, that allows us to have capital um, for ourselves and not have to take on funding and give up equity of the company. Um, it allows us to self-fund. Um, from a product development perspective, it allows us really to understand the needs and the pain points of our, our clients and our future customer base. What are the issues currently? What are the missing pieces of the products out there? Um, that need to be addressed. And so if you're, you know, on the business side or on the product development side, and you're looking to build your own application or start your own company, I would suggest you think about that strategy um, to start, you know, focusing your time on providing services or, or, or applications and, and migration projects for your customers, see where the pain points are, learn, you know, the experience and understand from that. And then from there, take those pain points, take those product gaps, take the technology debt or technology missing um, and use that to build either better services or better products for the future. And ultimately, I think that's a, a winning strategy that I think we want to continue with in the future. Yeah. And, and, and the whole concept of like, you know, starting small and kind of growing organically and not taking on funding. I think there's a lot of really great points that helped me through that mindset shift um, uh, by reading Company of One by Paul Jarvis. I think it's a really fantastic book that kind of highlights what Max was talking about that hey, you know, it's, it's, it's okay to start small and focus first on your clients and use your clients revenue to power your growth. There is going to be a time though, and we are right now in that time and where we have grown so fast 
And, you know, we have um, at the moment, we have almost 18 clients, all really big names like Belkin, Twitter, FanDuel, Core Health and Fitness, Elf Cosmetics. And we have these massive projects with them. So now we're looking at potentially exploring funding, but it's only because of the fact that we need to exponentially grow our team. In the past, we did not need to exponentially grow it. So there is a time to look for funding and a time where maybe it's just too soon. And back last year, it was just too soon. So it is important to listen to those to those inflection points. Very interesting. Are you, um, do you find it challenging to manage, I guess, at this scale, sort of like the product side and the service side of the business? Yes, <laughs> it's very hard, it but it's also so exciting. It's, it's challenging, but rewarding. Yeah. It's so rewarding because, you know, like we have both built Salesforce, right? Like we know what the platform can and cannot do and what the extent of the platform is. And when you build a Salesforce um, solution, it's, it's fun and exciting. You know, don't get me wrong on that. But a part of it, after you do a lot of them, it becomes less fun and exciting. So then when you build a new product and you know, it's brand new and Salesforce has never done this before. And you see the mocks and then you see it actually working in a live environment. It is just so fulfilling because you're really kind of going into more of the creative side of Salesforce and the creative side of just platform and application development, which makes you feel really fulfilled that like, wow, no one thought of this, but we thought of it and it's, and it works, <laughs> you know, <laughs> the fact that it works is like a really big deal. <laughs> Yeah. Because there's a lot of things that don't work too. Yeah, I, I think it can be challenging uh, sometimes on the service side, right? It can be very demanding. It's, it's very labor intensive. Um, you know, you want to provide great support uh, for your customers um, after go live and, and even during go live, um, uh, it can be uh, require a lot of time. Um, but I think the, the mix actually plays itself very well. You know, it allows it allows you to, you know, have the services side allows you a very constant, understandable future, right? If you have this project, it's a hundred hours, it's going to cost this much and it's going to bring this much revenue in with a product. You don't necessarily know what's going to happen, right? right? You know, you develop this product and you're not really sure, um, you know, what's going to work well, what's not, you're going to have to do a lot of tweaking. Um, it, it will take some time to really get, uh, it, to be a fully enterprise look and feel. And it may take some while to build traction um, with the market, right? For customers to actually see the value, understand the value, even hear about it. So um, it's important, I think, to have a combination of both. And I think if you're in the consultant or SI space, or even if you're someone who's a creative person or has an idea about a business, I think it's important to to take both aspects and incorporate them both, right? You wanna have a steady business plan, but you also wanna have a little bit of creativity where you can innovate and improve and make your products better. Um, and I think both are important for uh, the, the business uh, and nowadays. Yeah, and, and you know, we spend walks and, and we spend, you know, car rides, like thinking about trademark names and branding and colors and typography. So like that type of discussion is always really nice and welcomed when, you know, you're day in and day out breathing in object structures with Salesforce. <laughs> yeah. You know, whenever I feel uh, overwhelmed or stressed out due to, you know, being 
in different projects and managing a team or a company, I, I think of Elon Musk and SpaceX and Tesla and how right. he had disrupted two well-entrenched massive industries and really displaced, you know, Boeings and GMs and Fords. And, mm-hmm. you know, that, that, that's just amazing. So then I, my problem feels minuscule compared to <laughs> what he did. It gives me a little bit of motivation and energy. Uh, but yeah, that's very interesting. I was, I was just wondering, you know, that that's not a small, definitely not a small effort to actually launch a product. And then at the same time, as you mentioned, offered, you know, world-class quality uh, service to big brands that are, I guess, a lot of them are, that are your clients that are, you know, in Silicon Valley. And obviously everyone here expects the best. Um, so very cool. So uh, tell me when you were going to the security review and you have three products, do you have to separate or basically do you uh, uh, submit separately each or do you have to sort of, or could you just yeah. uh, submit the package of the three versus like three individually? How does that work? Yeah, I, I think, you know, we we have a patent lawyer involved and everything, and we're going to end up patenting all three as separate um, uh, products. So, yeah, we, we, we're kind of going through the path of submitting them three as, as separate products. Um, in the future, though, you know, what we want to build, um, we have some we have some we have some, you know, big plans for the future. Um, you know, overall, when we build a service cloud environment, when you look at the agent console today, you know agents are doing a, a million different clicks on the screen just to execute and solve a, or close a case. And we want, and and then and then there's this other part, right, which is AI. So there there's this highly manual, labor-intensive um, side of the spectrum where agents are going through and you know doing maybe 10 to 15 clicks on their screen just to be able to solve or close out a case but then there's the other side of the spectrum where an ai is running in the background and you have no idea if it's succeeding or failing until a customer complains and says your bot sucks right so we're trying to bridge the gap there that cuz that spectrum is so wide and there's a really cool tool that we're building that sits right in between and it's going to create this new category of agents altogether and for that product, it's going to be more of a bundled product where we are completely reimagining the agent console. It's not going to look at all like what you see today with Salesforce Service Console. And what it's going to do is it's going to bridge the gap between AI and agents, where AI and agents work together in real time so that it's not that AI is just executing behind the scenes, but we're going to bring AI right front and center, lift that black box up, and allow an agent to be essentially this kind of new category that we're that I'd, <laughs> I don't want to share yet without we want to trademark, but that will likely be more of a, of a bundled product that we kind of push through app exchange, because that is going to require us to build something that is truly a platform um, feature or, 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 or in a way, a platform cloud. It's going to have a lot of things that it's integrated with in the backend. Very interesting. Uh, what are some of your... Uh, business challenges as business leaders? Oh God, so many. <laughs> <laughs> Name the day of the week. What's on yeah. top of the list? <laughs> oh my God, I feel like... I, I guess maybe uh, like what are your um, uh, 
maybe challenges like as far as like uh, recruiting the right talent or uh, do you think there's a lot of available talent when technical talent maybe related to this whole Salesforce ecosystem? I guess to, to narrow down my question a bit. Yeah, I think that's definitely on the top of the list is, is finding good talent. And I think part of the reason why Ruby and I went into this field is we felt like and um, went into consulting as well as we felt like um, there was a, a, a gap in the partners and the services and the talent that was out there mm -hmm. that was providing a lot of these integrations for companies and, and doing these uh, implementations and integration work. Um, you know, having experienced it, working at Mojo, working with um, third-party uh, SIs and integrators um, and consultants in general, you know, I definitely had that experience being the customer, you know, wanting to do part of the admin work, part of the development and handing off some more of the complex stuff and having them do some other parts of, of, of the implementation, but having that experience opened my eyes that, you know, there's not, um, you know, there's a lot of good talent out there, but it's, it's hard to, to find the right uh, fit sometimes because there's so many niche um, features and, and products within Salesforce. So yeah. it, it really is a challenge sometimes to find uh, the person who has the right technical skills, but also has experience and can understand also the business or the industry that you're working with and how to relate that industry to the development, to the configuration, to the implementation, right. Um, in a way that works seamlessly. So yeah. I think that is definitely the biggest, biggest thing. And that's one of the values um, or one of the things that adds value to our company is the, the hires that we have, the people who work for the company really add a lot of value because the, the quality of work they provide and expertise that they provide. Yeah, one thing I'm going to say about about e-learning, you know, there there's 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 a positive and negative to e-learning. I think what I love about e-learning is that it really it really allowed Max and I to take a leap of faith like this and then excel inside of this brand new field that we had no clue about, you know, when we were in undergrad or grad school, right? So that's really that's really amazing. But the other negative towards e-learning is that because it is so accessible and so easy for people to pick up and to even, you know, take a test and get a certification over, you end up having an industry that has that 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 is essentially bloated in where what and what I mean by that is that there are candidates who, you know, say that I am 13x certified you talk to them and they have never done a single real world project. And while they know the theory behind things, maybe um, they know the theory behind things, they don't know how to execute or they don't know the nuances towards execution. And so that is what has been the hardest part about building this business is even if we got, you know, funding like million, multi-million dollars of funding tomorrow, I would still have to spend six months to find maybe five good people to hire. And that would be after hundreds and hundreds of interviews. That's what we struggle with today is just the ability to hire fast enough and to hire quality talent, because we know that it's, it's, it is a bloated market out there that has very few key players and a lot of okay players. And so that, that's kind of what we battle with on a daily basis. But then obviously, you know, as business owners, there's a million other things that we are super stressful. <laughs> and 
so kind of talking about, you know, recruiting, hiring, and just in general, um, the kind of workplace dynamics, are we, um, well, in, in the age of COVID, are you really working primarily remote with uh, your current staff or team members? Or uh, do you find like basically the same challenges? Are you trying to recruit also internationally or just primarily in the United States? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think it's, um, you know, it, uh, we, we allow employees to work 100% remote and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, both the employees and our clients uh, will work with us and engage um, with remote communications and uh, Zoom calls and things like that. Um, so that has actually worked out pretty well. And I think, you uh, society's kind of adapted pretty well and we've kind of gotten used to uh, how, how to be uh, agile, how to communicate remotely. And that has opened up the door to um, working with uh, clients and employees in different states in different countries. So we've, we've had a, a blended mix of, of looking to hire onshore. Um, primarily we've, we've hired uh, in, the, in the US, but we've also looked uh, to have uh, people come on from different countries as well. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Uh, so in closing, um, are, are there any either business or uh, fiction, nonfiction books that you would recommend? Ooh. Well. Business, what were you going to say? <laughs> well, uh, yes, there are definitely some business books, but there's also actually um, in the midst of COVID, um, Max's grandmother, who is no longer with us, but who wrote a book when she was alive about her experience in the Holocaust, actually just got oh, wow. published last year. Yeah, it's called uh, Francie's War. And it's basically her story going through the Holocaust. And it it's a, it's a story of perseverance and determination. Um, and it actually kind of can relate to business as well mm-hmm. from that aspect. Um, she also was a, a manager um, and um, a participant in her family's business for uh, haute couture dressmaking. And uh, she had to understand the business, um, understand running every the day-to-day, dealing with customers. Mm-hmm. Um, so they didn't quite have... Uh, the business applications and the IT of, of today, but it, it kind of speaks to some of the things we're actually going on, you know, in our daily lives, right? Dealing with customers, dealing with hardships, um, you know, dealing with disease like COVID, right? There was a lot of uh, diseases back in the early 1900s, um, you know, dealing with racism, uh, rise of Nazis and, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's eerily similar in many ways um, to today, even though it's, you know, almost a hundred years ago. Yeah. So and where did um, she very, grow up or where uh, was the, yeah, it takes place in uh, the Czech Republic. Uh, she grew up oh, in Prague. Yeah. Yeah. But she, I mean, she got taken to concentration camps. She faced Dr. Mangle and it, and, oh, wow. and, yeah, it is, it is a remarkable story that, Max's, I must read it. That's interesting. Yeah, definitely read it. Francie's War. Um, you can get it on and, Amazon. It's published by Penguin Books. So there's it's and how do you spell? I'm sorry. How do you spell Francie? 
F-R-A-N-C-I, apostrophe F, award. Oh, I see. Okay. And you said it's on Amazon and... Yeah. It's on uh, all uh, major platforms. Yeah. And uh, they actually have a few... There's a few versions of it um, published in um, different languages in the UK, in Italy, in the Czech Republic. Um, so there's a few different uh, translations of it as well. But the, the main version is written in English. <clears throat> well, I must get it. I'm, I'm very interested. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Excellent. Really awesome. <laughs> well, uh, Ruby and Max, thank you very much for the time. Uh, this was excellent. I uh, learned quite a bit from you and I love it. And I definitely wish you all the best with your product launch, with your uh, company in general. And uh, thanks again for being on, on this podcast. Of course. And, you know, we, we, we want to thank you too. You know, it's really nice to see a podcast like this, um, bringing and shining a light on the Salesforce industry and just some of the journeys that a lot of us take into the Salesforce realm, because, you know, it's not something that you're taught in college or, you know, you're taught in school. And so having a platform like yours um, with Anablock is, is, is really, really uh, it's, it, it makes us kind of, you know, in a way appreciate our journey a little bit more. And I think sometimes in the, in, in the zeal of tech, it's very hard to take a stop and appreciate that. So thanks for kind of shining a light on this. This was really, really nice. No yeah. problem. Thank you. Yeah. I echo what Ruby said. I couldn't say it better myself. So appreciate your having us and uh, yeah, having this forum where we get to talk about Salesforce and technology and, and shed a light to, uh, a topic that may many people don't fully understand or, or know about even. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs>